Welcome to episode number 23 of the Become a Media Maven podcast. If you have not already, please tap that subscribe button, leave me a rating, leave me a review, and let me know how you are liking what you are hearing. And I can guarantee you, you are going to like what you hear today. Today is my birthday. So I made sure that this episode is going to be an amazing one, and it definitely is because I have my friend Sunny Leonard Doozy on the podcast. So if you've ever been on YouTube, um, you've probably seen Sunny and her amazing head of hair around. She is my Canadian sister from another mister. I love Canadians. I married one. My kids are Canadian citizens. I just can't get away from Canadians because they are just so freaking polite. And Sunny is one of those Canadians. You are going to love everything that she talks about. Obviously, we talk about video marketing. We talk about YouTube. But we also talk about a little bit about mindset. Because if you follow Sunny on YouTube or on her Instagram, which is off the chain, love her Instagram, love her on Twitter, she talks a lot about how she is taking lots of me time. And even though she is still scaling her business, she's also scaling the hours she works back by working smarter instead of harder. And that's also something else that we talk about in this episode. And I did mention this in a previous episode about me stepping up my YouTube game in 2019. And that is something that Sunny is helping me with. I went to my mentor, Pat Flynn, and I said, Pat, what do you think I should do? Like... I'm doing this podcasting thing. You've helped me with it. Thanks so much. But I want some more lead generation. And he was like, why are you not on YouTube? And I said, great question. Why am I not on YouTube? Who should teach me all things YouTube? And he said, Sunny, she's perfect for you. I said, great. Let's go with Sunny. So not only is she teaching me about building my brand on YouTube, but right now she's going to teach you how you can do the same thing too. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Sunny, thanks for joining me on the Become a Media Maven podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Congrats. Thank you. And, and congrats on your podcast too. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Yes. Okay. So we know you from YouTube and mm-hmm. you kind of got into YouTube on accident. You were making a video for a client and then a lot more people other than your client saw it when you woke yes. up in the morning. Hence the yes. beginning of your YouTube career. But it has changed a lot over the past few years. It's definitely grown. So before we get into the nitty gritty, can you tell us a little bit about how YouTube is your entire business and is the reason for your business growth and all these different verticals that you have now? Yeah, totally. Um, So, I mean, I always say this and it sounds so cheesy, but it really is the truth. YouTube changed my life. Um, Not only did it change my business, it changed my life. And Basically, the story is, I mean, you nailed the first part. I was running a tiny little consultancy. Uh, I had about 10 clients max because as a solopreneur, I just couldn't do more than that. And I did it for about five years. And I really enjoyed managing and, and executing on social campaigns. And at the time, Instagram didn't exist. It was just Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. And 
I was just doing everything for my clients and I, I loved it. I was eating, sleeping and breathing it. I really, really enjoyed the process of, of strategizing and then doing the execution and then figuring out the new tactics and whatnot. And this all came out of my career actually started as a journalist, which is where you and I have some things in common. And, um, from that journalism background, I knew that from the time I was a kid, I wanted to work in a space where I could educate, inform, entertain people. I just didn't know it would take the turn that it has, but I really think my journey is a true testament to following the clues. And so basically what happened was I had the social media consultancy, didn't really talk about it, but I had pretty big clients. Um, and Eventually, I proposed a series idea on YouTube to Hootsuite, which is a social media management management company. It's a really big company here in Vancouver, and people use it all over the world. Um, it's a dashboard. I've used it for so long. And I proposed doing a series with them that would educate the general public on social media marketing and management. So it's called the Social Update. And even at this point, I think this is important to understand, I didn't think oh, I'm good at YouTube. I should do this still. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is a great idea. And we'll do it with Hootsuite and we'll do it under their brand and that'll be great. So we did it and we grew their subscriptions by 75% with this strategy, with the series that I hosted. Um, and then it ended and still didn't have a clue. Still didn't think to myself, hmm, maybe YouTube's a route I want to go. I just kind of went back behind the scenes, continued to manage my clients until one day I got to a point where I got really burnt out and I had too many clients asking me questions and I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, and <laughs> I basically out of pure desperation one day, like you said, I was trying to figure out how to answer my clients question questions without having to go to a meeting or spend time on the phone because it just wasn't working and I didn't have time to do the actual work. So sat down with a window in front of me for my lighting, a webcam that was about $80 and my computer and I filmed a tutorial on how to use Periscope for live streaming for your business because it was a huge hot topic at that time. It had just launched and all my clients were asking about it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to film a video, put it on my YouTube channel, which by the way, had basically no subscribers. All that was on there was old demo reels, some random vlogs that I tried to create that are very embarrassing. You can go back and even find them now. Um, and some family videos. So I thought nothing of it. Posted it up on YouTube, sent the link to my clients. Next day I woke up and I had 2,000 views on the video and I was so confused. And I realized, okay, this is a clue. This is my light bulb moment. And that was the moment I was like, okay, hey, pay attention. Someone's trying to tell you something. So I was like, I'm going to try. I'm going to just get curious. I'm going to try and master this platform and I'm going to post one video a week for the next year. So one video a week for the next year, I grew to 50,000 subscribers from scratch and I grew to 3 million views. And I think the really important thing to understand here is people are often like, well, how did YouTube build your, build your business? I don't get your business model. Imagine no matter what niche you're in, if you go from 10 people knowing who you are, 10 clients to 3 million people seeing your work and seeing you in your zone of genius on a weekly basis, that changes everything. So all of a sudden, I had more demand than ever. I secured my first speaking engagement at NATO. The head of NATO's uh, social media reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, I found your Twitter tutorial on YouTube and I think you're really good talking about this stuff. Do you want to come talk to our delegates, which was like the FBI, the UN, uh, NATO itself. It was crazy. So that was my, fir my first speaking engagement. About a month or two after I started on YouTube, um, every speaking engagement I've gotten over the last two years has come from YouTube and come from people coming from people who discover me on there. Funny enough, I spoke for Google 
um, about a month ago in New York. They flew me out to speak at um, their partner awards. And I asked them when I was talking to people from Google, I asked them, where'd you find me? And they said, oh, we found you on YouTube. So even Google found me on YouTube. Um, So I think it's understanding that once you put your message out there and your genius out there on YouTube, you're going to get found by all these people who have never heard of you before. And when you get found, people know they can actually work with you. They can buy some things from you. They can invest in you. And the great thing about YouTube is you're constantly providing value, whether you're educating, informing, or entertaining, you're providing value. So of course, if you're doing that, people are like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're the person I want to work with. And so I've kept doing it for three years and our business has doubled in revenue every, every single year. We now have a seven figure business, which is so insane. And I pretty much like despise that term at this point because I think it gets thrown around too much. But for me, it's something I need to keep reiterating because I grew from a teeny tiny $50,000 a year consultancy to now having a seven figure business and in three years all from just taking the leap and getting curious about this platform. I love it. And I love that it's all organic. We're not spending money on advertising and you're practicing what you preach. I do the same thing in media. I contribute for countless outlets. I'm always putting myself out there. I'm a guest on tons of podcasts and it's the same idea. You're reaching tons and tons of people who want to hear from you and you're not spending a dime to do Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I mean, the thing for me is that we built the business entirely organically. And then when we started dabbling in ads, the great thing was we had capital, we had money in the bank to be able to start investing in them. And that just added fuel to the fire. So but having both is an incredible strategy. Organic is an amazing way to start, especially as a solopreneur, because again, it doesn't take you investing up front, which is so rare and such a blessing in the day and age that we live in that you can build an entire business without having to put money down up front um, online. But then when you start building up your customer base, you start selling products or services, then you have money to put into ad spend and then even more people can, can see you. Yeah, I love it. And now you help people do the same thing. So tell us a little bit about how you are. I mean, we know how you're getting speaking gigs. We know you're getting in front mm-hmm. of people. How are you turning all of this publicity into profit? Yeah, so basically I I created a very distinct formula for YouTube and um it's, it works, period. If you do every step in our process and follow the formula piece by piece, you're going to see insane results. So it's not like it was like, oh, I did this here. I'm going to now teach everyone else how to do it because there's so many variables. And I know there's people who watch me and they're like, oh, well, she only succeeded because of X. She only succeeded because of Y. And those are cute excuses. But the reality <laughs> is we've, we've helped people in every niche, every gender, every ethnicity, it doesn't matter. If you follow our formula step by step, it works. We've had people go from scratch to 100,000 subscribers in 10 months and build half a million dollars in revenue in their first year of business. Like that's no joke. And that's all organic. We've helped people build their businesses from scratch using this formula. So our formula is in our program, YouTube for bosses. And then we've created consulting options off of YouTube for bosses where people are looking for more intimacy. And then for established business owners who are looking to really catapult their results, we have a one-to-one consulting service. And we also have an agency model now um, where we're actually doing, it's we're crawling it done for YouTube. Um, and we're doing all of the optimization, the uploading, we're picking your content topics for you, all of those things. And that's definitely for a client who is very established in their business and really wants to diversify their lead gen. So oftentimes people think I'm doing YouTube YouTube to get YouTube famous. That was never my intent. Nothing wrong with that, but it's not been the strategy I've followed. I don't do viral videos. I don't do, you know, 
instant hit videos. I do videos that are going to bring me leads every single day to continue to build my business. And that's what we teach our clients and, and we, what we do for our clients as well. I love that. And so you've been doing this for 10 years, right? Yeah. I mean, in different iterations, I started my first business 10 years ago, which is nuts. Um, it was completely different business, but yeah, this particular business I started three years ago, three years ago Mm -hmm. and you've doubled it every year. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a lot of work, Sunny. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> so, it is. Wait, it doesn't just happen overnight? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not what it looks like um, on Instagram. You are very yeah. upfront and honest on your Instagram channel, but many others are not. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that because um, I obviously watch your YouTube videos. I follow you on Instagram. And I feel like lately – I don't know when lately is. Maybe it's like the last couple of months, maybe the last year. I have noticed that in your language, you've kind of shifted from all business to like a little bit more mindset. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is like a thing with business growth because I've now been in business for um, a little over three years. And Mm -hmm. I have also doubled my business every year for three years. Congratulations. Yes, girl. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, But I do feel like recently, like in the last year, in the last few months, I have also been thinking more about mindset. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if mindset happens when you reach a certain level in your business or what. But I am, I used to think it was just like this woo thing and I'm totally not a woo person But now it's like something that really helps you in your business when I think I work with Pat Flynn in his Mm. mastermind and he says slow to grow. And I think you just reach a point where you need to slow down to actually grow. Yep. Mm -hmm. So tell me about this shift that you're taking because you're very like open and honest about it and I like it. Oh, thank you so much. Um, (laughs) um, You know what? I think it's one of those things where – I think when you get angry about something, I actually had a guest on my podcast not too long ago and she was like, I don't want to hear about your passion. I want to hear what you want to punch. And like for me, for a very long time, I wanted to punch every single person who was like, this is easy. It's going to happen overnight and create a seven figure business or do a seven figure launch in a month. Like F you, that doesn't happen. And there's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes. And it made me really angry because it creates a very unhealthy, very toxic narrative that if you're not doing that, you're not good enough. And the reality of this is before social media, before people were documenting their journeys, and unfortunately, before people could lie about their journeys, we didn't have this comparisonitis. But now there's comparison everywhere you look. And so you're constantly being compared to another person's path. But every individual, every every business, every niche that you could possibly be in is different. And your growth is going to be different. And you have to respect that and understand it's happening for a reason. So no one's saw the really unsexy seven years when I was building my business, learning how to be an entrepreneur, learning how to be a business owner, learning how to manage people behind the scenes. No one saw that. And I didn't really care what anybody else was doing. But now you you have you know, presence, you're out there. And it's like, if I'm just starting my business today and I'm looking at people who are 10 years in and I'm going, well, I should be there and I should be doing what they're doing. Like, no, you shouldn't. I now have a team of 14 people. I had two a year ago. 
So that's a lot of growth. That's a lot of help that I have in creating content in distributing content in getting my program sold, getting my services sold, creating new program offerings. Like it ain't just me. And that's something that I think people really need to understand. And the reason that I'm honest about it, like I said, is because, you know, it creates a toxic narrative and whether I knew it or not, subconsciously, I was buying into it. And actually over a year ago now, a year and a half ago now, um, I went through a period where we were experiencing massive growth and it was still just two of us. And I basically had a full-fledged panic attack one day. I'd never dealt with anxiety before. I'd never dealt with anything like this in my life. So I didn't know what was happening to my body. Um, But it was just a regular Wednesday and I was sitting there on my couch and I was about to go to bed and I couldn't relax. I couldn't turn my mind off. I, my heart started racing and I just went down a rabbit hole of panic and I called the ambulance. I really thought they'd come up and be like, you know, you're just going through a panic attack. It's okay. They ended up taking me to the hospital. I was having symptoms of a stroke. I ended up staying in the hospital and it scared the crap out of me. And that was a really pivotal moment for me to realize that this business, being an entrepreneur is not what defines me. And it is not my life. I need to have a life outside of this identity as an entrepreneur. So I started making some really serious changes. I am not perfect at this by any means. I'm still struggling. I just had a meeting with my COO this morning and she was like, okay, so we're going to restrict your Slack hours from 10 to one every day. And I've told the entire team and they know not to talk to you outside of those hours. And you're taking Fridays off. And I'm so grateful to have people like that in my life because I am a natural workaholic. I like it. It's my favorite go-to. I don't have any addictions outside of work. And I always thought, well, that's not a bad one because at least it's profitable. But (laughs) but it's not healthy. And it distracts from everything else going on in your life. So that was a really pivotal moment for me to really take audit of what was happening in my life and what I was suppressing by just working all the time and diving into, okay, what's going on? And why am I feeling this way? And what do I need to change? So like I said, the last year, we've gone from a team of two to a team of 14, which is a big, big, big amount of growth. Um, in so many ways, we've created three new product offerings and the business has doubled more than doubled actually in the last year. So it's been amazing to see what happens when you start to release control. And as entrepreneurs, that's the biggest, most challenging mindset shift you'll ever go through because you're so used to starting everything and being scrappy and being resourceful and doing it all yourself. And then all of a sudden people are like, you got to relax in order to really be the visionary and really grow the business. And you're like, sorry, what? I don't know what that means. So I'm still learning and it's a daily process for me. Um, But I will say that one of the things that's really helped me is restricting my work hours and being really cognizant of trying to only work four hours a day max because it makes me more productive. It makes me get shit done a lot quicker. And realistically, at this point in my business with the team that we have, I shouldn't be working more than that. And I just will find myself doing make work projects because I'm like, my ego is like, value me. I need to be seen. I need to be heard. But I'm like, not necessarily needing to be doing any of that anymore. Oh my gosh. You and me are two peas in a freaking pod. <laughs> like everything you just said, ditto. Totally get it. Yeah. Like yeah. all of it. Um, and I think as a woman too, like there's an extra element of just like 
some other ish that we're dealing with to like try and people please and do it all and take it all ourselves. Like that's definitely an element for sure as a female entrepreneur that I don't feel like we are honest enough about. And I love that you are now working, trying to work four hours a day because that Mm -hmm. I know is a struggle when you want to do all the things and when you have Mm -hmm. a good work ethic, but it forces you to be strategic. And I think any bit, I mean, you've been at it for 10 years. So, you know, like at the beginning, you are probably soaking up all of the free content that you can online and all of these different places from all of these different people, which is great. You're getting tons of information, but it's nice to have you and I both, we invest in people who are smarter than us to tell us Mm -hmm. what to do. (laughs) And that helps us be more strategic. So you can work less and make more. But like you said, it is hard at that beginning to let go of control when it comes to hiring other people and yeah. and bringing people on. And it's hard to invest in your business because that's scary yeah. too when you're starting out. Totally. Totally. It's, it's a very, it's totally counterintuitive. It does not make you feel safe. It does not make you feel like you're in control. And those feelings for people like entrepreneurs, we're wired differently. We want to be in control of everything. It just doesn't work well. But I can tell you the moment I started letting go is when I started seeing the most growth in my business. And is that because of the people around you? Is that because you are being strategic? What do you credit that to? I definitely credit to hiring the right people um, and really having a strong team around me who are experts in their own right. And I don't need to be the expert at everything. And I, I shouldn't be the expert at everything. And I think I also credit to working smarter, not harder and being really strategic with what we put out there and our product offerings and simplifying, 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 because I definitely have shiny object syndrome and I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. But it's not necessarily a good idea to tackle everything all at once. Okay. Love that. Love that little business advice. But can we go back to YouTube? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You talked about working smarter and not harder. Let's talk about YouTubing smarter and not harder. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm just going to get selfish and I'm just going to ask you a bunch of personal questions. Please do. Okay. So I have a YouTube channel and Mm -hmm. I've gotten lucky with a few videos Um, they must've been super YouTube SEO friendly because I've gotten lucky with a couple of them, but most of them, not so much. So, um, I mean, obviously I'm a former TV reporter and anchor, so I can be in front of the camera. Okay. At this point, um, Mm -hmm. I think my biggest struggle with YouTube is people finding me and that probably that keyword research and I guess it, it, it would it be YouTube SEO. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, so for me, the thing is, okay, there's so many things about this, but, (laughs) um, loaded, write it in, uh, write it in. Um, so as an entrepreneur, your strategy on YouTube is not the same as a Casey Neistat. Like, let's just throw that out there from day one, because the amount of people that come to us and they're like, I want to be like Casey Neistat. I'm like, sorry. And what is his business model? Like, what is he trying to sell or do or whatever? Um, and in my opinion, like, I don't really know what his business model is. I freaking love Casey Neistat, but I feel like a lot of it is dependent on like brand sponsorships and behind the scenes deals and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's not how we operate. And as an entrepreneur, you have to be very smart and strategic with the kind of content you put out there. And I think the simplest way to explain it is people are looking for answers to their questions and solutions to their problems on YouTube. And you as an entrepreneur solve problems and answer questions with your business, regardless of what you're doing for you. For example, you know, people are coming to you looking for publicity. They're looking to get seen. So 
your video should be all about how do you get PR? How do you get seen? How do you get publicity? How do you land a press feature in Fast Company? How do you land a press feature in here? How do you do, how are you supposed to do a guest post? Like what does the structure look like? Um, so you basically want to do tutorial based content because that's the stuff that your customers are looking for. And oftentimes people get so caught up in the views and I would really rather you have 200 views that are qualified leads that are actually going to buy from you versus 2 million who do not care and are just watching for the sake of entertainment. So there's a very different strategy between being an entertainer and an influencer and a creator and being an entrepreneur on YouTube. Once you have an audience, that can shift. Once you have an audience, you can create videos on any topic because you have an audience who's bought into you and what you're doing and your brand. But in the beginning, the fastest way to grow is to really pay attention to the things that you've mastered and that you can teach, the frequently asked questions that your clients are asking you, and making videos on those. Perfect. And then what do you suggest for the keyword research? Because I feel like there's so many different options. And then it's like, do you go with the, what Google tells you or do you go with what YouTube tells you? Um, we go with what YouTube tells us. Okay. And how do you search for those keywords on YouTube? My favorite tool that I talk about all the time is called Keywords Everywhere. It's a free Google Chrome plugin. Um, and basically it allows you to see the search volume of any keyword on YouTube. Okay. I use that for Google, but that's how I title my blog posts and my podcast episodes and all of that. But I honestly never thought of using it on YouTube. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works really, really well. Now, how do the keywords differ from Google and YouTube? Because even though they're both owned by Google, they're both search engines, do people type things in differently on Google than they would on YouTube? Um, they can. I think my suggestion why I say we really only look on YouTube is like the search volume is just different. So the search volume on Google is going to be a lot bigger because it's a general search engine of all different kinds of content, whether it's text or video or whatever it might be, whereas YouTube is video content. So I think people search the same way. They type the same things in. It's just the search volume and the competition is going to be different on both. Okay. Now for you, since this kind of happened for you at the very beginning by accident, Mm -hmm. how did you kind of tweak? I did an episode um, with a blogger who got like, crazy organic traffic on her blog by accident. And then she, now she's like this SEO genius. Um, that's episode 15. If you want to listen to it with Cassidy Tuttle. Um, but she, again, same situation, got into it by accident. It was like, okay, now I'm going to be strategic and I'm going to get a whole bunch of traffic. And now she does. So for you, what was the strategic shift that you made? I mean, I'm sure you did a couple of things, but Mm -hmm. what were the things that you remember when it's like, okay, you mentioned that you said, okay, so I'm going to post a video a week for the next year. So that was one thing you decided Mm -hmm. you were going to be consistent with Mm -hmm. a video a week, which is probably a good thing. Anything else that comes to mind that you remember what you did in that year when things really shifted from like, oops, an accident to a business? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I can say is I paid attention to the analytics. When I got really strategic about it, I started looking at the analytics of all my videos. And the videos that got the most velocity, meaning the most amount of views in the shortest amount of time, there was something to that. And so I started looking at the analytics of what their retention was like on those videos and also how people were finding them. Because say I do a video on... I don't know, let's say it's how to stand out on YouTube, which I have a video on this topic, but I create a video on that. 
people aren't always landing on that video by typing in how to stand out on YouTube. They could be landing on it by searching how to make a great YouTube video, how to make a YouTube video on your phone, how to get more views on YouTube, how do you write the perfect description on YouTube. So then if you can see what people are searching for, which you can do this in the analytics section, there's a area called traffic sources. You click on that and I have a whole video screencast of this. So you, get, you can check it on my channel. Um, but you go to the traffic sources and you see search. Um, so you see how people are landing on that video and what they're typing into search to find you. Those are all additional topics that you know your audience is very interested in because you got views and velocity on that video. And that just gives you a whole new set of topics to create videos on. Okay. So I know one of my mistakes is totally ignoring analytics. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but of course you have a video on how to look at analytics and what to do I with do. it. I have several videos on the analytics portion because it is so important. Otherwise you're just kind of guessing and hoping things work. And I feel like that's probably a common mistake because people don't really, A, know that it exists and then mm -hmm. B, know what they're really looking at and what to do with that information. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many elements to that, but I think the biggest unfair advantage that a YouTuber, whether you're new or advanced has is, is paying attention to what works on your channel. Because when you have a video that really takes off, it gives you authority within the algorithm. So if you make the same video on that topic, say six months or a year later, you're going to automatically have a higher ranking than someone else who hasn't made a video on it before. So prime example of that is I usually do a video on how to get more views on YouTube every year, because it's a video that performs well for me every single time I post a video on it. And I'll just update a few of the strategies. Okay. So when you see something working, you just find a new or a different angle and you do mm -hmm. it again. But what yep. if you do something and you thought it was great and maybe a couple of people thought it was great, but you're not seeing huge results from it. What do you do with that information? I think it's defining results because we have videos that aesthetically or from a vanity perspective may not have done like extremely well. But it's also focusing in on the kind of audience you're trying to attract. So like we work with entrepreneurs who have like multi-billion dollar businesses and they don't really need to have these like viral views to see success. One of our clients had less than a thousand subscribers, but generated um, over a million dollars in six weeks from his channel because his views were super targeted. So it was a video that had maybe a hundred views on it, but the views were super, super niche down and targeted to his exact ideal customer. So I think it's defining your results for us. Our results are, you know, sometimes views that we're looking for. Sometimes it's leads and we're tracking our leads to see which videos are bringing in the most. So I think it's, it's tough on every platform because everyone's like, I'm not growing fast enough. I'm not seeing results. I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. And the first question I ask is like, what are you looking for? What's your objective? Are you trying to grow your business? You're trying to grow your brand. Are you trying to be an influencer? Are you trying to go viral? What's your goal? And whatever your goal is, that's, that's your only metric of success that you should be paying attention to. And I love that you mentioned that one client of yours because I hate the vanity metrics. Like if they're not paying your bills, then who freaking cares? Exactly. Exactly. And like there, here, this is the thing. I talk about this a lot and it pisses a lot of people off. But the thing is, there's a lot of broke influencers out there. Because you have 2 million followers or subscribers does not mean you have $2 million in the bank. It usually means you're starved for cash and trying to figure out how to actually monetize that audience. Because True entrepreneurs and business owners are worried about the objective and the end result. They're not worried about the vanity numbers and trying to, you know, amass this crazy big audience. They're worried about getting an audience of buyers. Yes, I love that. I just did a solo episode on how I make money and I literally broke down 
all of my revenue streams and mm-hmm. how much was coming in. And I said, but guess what, y'all? I'm not keeping it. I am yeah. spending a lot of it or reinvesting a lot of it. And you're so right. I know. And I mentioned, like, I see Facebook ads for a person almost every day. And her assistant has um, a mutual friend, um, is a mutual friend. And her assistant says, oh, yeah, this person's in debt. Like, even though you see the Facebook ads and the brand is all like, you know, high luxury, fancy schmancy stuff, this person is in debt. And it's crazy because like you said at the top of the show, um, it's so easy for people to just get online and lie. Yep, exactly. That's the problem, right? Is that social media is a beautiful thing and it's also a very dangerous thing. Yeah. So you want to make sure your publicity is turning into profit or else what is the freaking point? Yeah, Awesome, exactly. Sunny. Okay, well, I'm definitely going to link to your YouTube channel in the show notes. But before we go, is there anything else you want to leave us, whether it be about YouTube, building a, a brand and a business on that platform, or just not going 24-7 and chilling out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll probably talk about the latter. And um, it's my best tip I can give you is to start doing an audit of everything you're doing day to day in your business and start finding ways to bring people on to take off the tasks that aren't in your genius genius zone. Because I think that's the piece you asked me earlier, what I credit, um, you know, the growth to as far as letting go of control. And I think the thing for me is that the more that I let go of the tasks that aren't in my genius zone, the more that I can focus on the greater vision of the company and create really amazing products, services, and customer success. And this is the hardest thing for entrepreneurs to do. For me, it was the hardest. And then once I did it, I was like, oh my God, I'm hiring more people. This is amazing. Exactly. (laughs) Me too. I'm like, how many more people can we hire right now? Because it's amazing to have such a rock star team. It's so great. I'm so grateful for the people we've attracted. Yeah. It's such a weight off your shoulders. All right. Sunny, thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sunny. Everything that she mentioned and more is available in the show notes, so make sure you click through and you check all of that out. And I'm also going to link to my YouTube channel. It is literally a brand new channel. Just started posting to it this month. I started from scratch, and I am just doing everything that Sunny tells me so I can be an amazing YouTuber just like her. So thank you, Sunny, for all of your guidance. And if you wouldn't mind becoming a Media Maven podcast listener, checking out that link to my YouTube channel in the show notes and subscribing to that too. I mean, hell, while you subscribe to the podcast, you might as well subscribe to my YouTube channel, right? And I am practicing a lot of what Sunny just told you about. So you can literally see it being built as it's being built from scratch because that's literally what it is. At the start of 2019, zero, zilch, nothing. Totally nothing, totally scratch. Started all over. Crazy, I know. Started all over because I wanted to work smart and I wanted to be strategic. And I knew Sunny would help me with that and that is what's happening. So head to the show notes, find out more and connect with Sunny and check out my YouTube channel. I will see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Become a Media Maven podcast.